Check Me Out is made possible in part by the Friends of the Amarillo Public Library, Brick and Elm Magazine, and a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I love the rainbow organizing. I think it's beautiful, but it stresses me out because I'm like, how do you find the How book? do you find anything? How do you find the I have to remember that Grapes of Wrath is a red cover. <laughs> like, right. Completely agree with Not that I'm going to go read the Grapes of Wrath anytime soon, but uh, yeah. like completely I Completely agree with but you. I, right. I do think, you know, and I think to that that book's credit, you know, really it's whatever you make that makes you happy. Yeah, you know, that's if right. it is ripping the covers off, I guess do that. But not for me. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Hillary Holsey, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Amy Hart. Hello. I'm excited about this season. Me too. Because we are going to have uh, someone from the library with us on each episode. We are, which is super exciting. And that leads us to our next portion, which is introducing our very special guests. I'll start here with the librarian. Who are you? Hello. I'm Cindy Wienia. I'm the assistant director of the Amarillo Public Library System. Amazing. It's so good to have you here. And then we'll also have just our regular special guests. Regular. You're not regular, Karen. <laughs> Introduce yourself. I'm, I don't know how now. Uh, I'm Karen Welch, and I'm a content producer for Panhandle PBS. We're so glad to have both of you here. Uh, today we're talking about mental health and some of the books that uh, center around mental health, whether that's I, I think we were hesitant to title it anything like self-help or um, anything specific. Mental health can be so broad and cover so many things. So uh, that's why we have our, our special guests here today. And they have both. We'll get into the reasons why we have both of them here today. So um, let's get started. Uh, this is more of a we'll start more broadly and then go more specific. What would you and I think I'll start with you, Cindy, categorize as a book on mental health like what does that look like if someone comes into the library? Where would you direct them? Oh, that's a great question. We do what we call reader's advisory. And so we basically interview people and say, what do you mean by that? What are you looking for? The library covers a wide range of mental health. Are you looking for a book about bipolar disorder? Do you need something specific like that? Or are you talking about, I need to have a good cry today? And I want a book that's going to make me weep. Well, I can help you with that, too, uh, which sounds crazy. But a lot no. of people, you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of people are like, I just need a good cry and I need something to spark that for me. We can help you with that, too. Do you want fiction? Do you want nonfiction? What are we really talking about here? Because that's very broad, as you said. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? Are, are you feeling personally that your mental health is in trouble right now? Do you need resources? For mental health assistance, therapy, grief counseling, what are we looking for? Because not only do we have books about that, but we have resources in the community to direct you to as well. Libraries are a lot more than bookshelves. Right. I always try to remind people that we do so much more. I think when you know you go on the internet and you type in books on mental health, you're going to get a wide range of things. Obviously, going to the library is a little bit different because you do this interview. How can you make sure that the book that you're reading is credible in terms of like dealing with your mental health? Karen, let's start with you in terms of your researcher. What, what would your advice be there? 
always, always check your sources, check their credentials, look at the author and who it was, look at the publisher, who they are. A lot of times they may be university presses that um, that have scholarly, you know, bents to them so that you know that they've vetted the information. It's about what you feel comfortable with, too. You want something that's accessible so it's easy to read, um, that sort of thing, but you want to, to know that that they're citing sources. If they're saying 62% of people have, you know, depression or whatever it is, then you want to know, you want to see like footnotes or things where they are citing uh, sources so you know that they got their information from somewhere credible too. Do you have anything to add? I I agree with that totally. And even fiction, well-written fiction will have that as well. Maybe in the acknowledgments, maybe in an appendix in the back. This is where I got this information from. So absolutely, check out this author. Where did they come from? Is it a a private press? Was it print-on-demand from Amazon (laughs) in their print shop in the backyard? Whatever. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. Jim's Publishing Exactly. (laughs) You know, we get a lot of requests for books, and that's part of our job is to check those resources before we purchase them at the library because we are seen as somewhat of an authority in the community, (laughs) and we want to make sure that what we have is is correctly vetted and and well-intentioned. I think I'm the the reader that's like, oh, I'll just read it, you know, not thinking like that this is something that I should be looking into. So I think that's kind of a reminder to readers, like if it's something really important and this is a something as serious as mental health, yeah, you should totally do your research before you buy it. We have a lot of misinformation these days, a lot of disinformation these days, a lot of people that want to, you know, make a buck off of something. It's just a reminder not to let somebody take advantage of you because you're looking for mental health uh, help or or reading. Uh, If you vet your sources, if you know that they came from somewhere credible, then, then it's much more reliable as far as what the advice is. Well, it's also good to hear, I mean... Obviously, the library is in charge of doing that for you, so great resource exactly. to, to utilize the library. To go kind of back to classifying things and, and the different categories of mental health, I think some of them you get more clinical. So like the one that I most recently read is uh, Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry's What Happened to You. It's a book on trauma, and they, they actually talk about your brain and, you know, what happens in your brain when you go through a traumatic experience. But then there's also, like, self-help books. So I don't know how many people come in and ask about Brene Brown books or something like that. Um, so what what advice or thoughts do you have? I mean, you guys do an interview process, but how do you, how do you direct someone to a self-help book? Or how do you know which way to put them, which direction? Do you read them a lot yourself or... Do you have people on staff? How does that work? You know, it's mostly on the patron, honestly, because our main thing is to not be judgmental Mm -hmm. and and not to get personal to the point that they shut down and won't ask. Um, So a lot of times we'll just take them to the section. You know, 616 is the mental health Dewey number. We will take them to 616 and say, if you don't find what you're looking for, come back. We'll dig a little deeper for you. Just make it a little less stressful to say, I need help today, and this is why. 
I wish it wasn't that way. I mm-hmm. wish everyone could just come to the desk and say, hey, I'm losing it, and this is what I need. But we know that's not how it works. Yeah, There's a lot of mental health stigma in our, in our society and in our communities. We can just kind of point you in the general direction and, hey, if, it, if that's not exactly what you're looking for, come back and we'll try again. We'll, we'll show you something else. Mm-hmm. But usually we'll see them leave with a stack. It's like, oh, there was so much more than I thought there was. And I'm going to take this one, this one, and this one. And then maybe two, three weeks from now, I'll try something else if that wasn't really what I was looking for. Right. To that point, have you seen lately in recent years an increase in people checking out self-help books? Or is that something that they've always done but don't really talk about or like or hasn't to come to talk to you about it? Like, have you seen an increase recently? You know, that's hard to say. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Okay. We would have to ask the people that are directly on the desk. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'm not directly on the desk every day. So they would be the experts on that. You know, how many questions do they get? How many um, requests do they get for those specific types of books? Okay. You know, I think there's such an explosion of books, though, that are self-help. Mm-hmm. And almost the the word self-help kind of bothers me a little bit because it when, it, when you first saw self-help books when they came out originally and it became a category, it seemed like, you know, it was a lot of people who had advice, but maybe, I don't know, it was a little overly happy advice, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. and so it was that, you know, that we're going to help you by making everything so perfect mm-hmm. and all of those things. And I think self-help books have changed. And so I wish we would just talk about them in terms of books about mental health or books about, you know, DIYing something or whatever, rather than self-help, uh, just because I, I don't think it had that really mm-hmm. good connotation at the start. Yeah, right I, yeah, I would agree with that. And and now, a lot of times in my mind, it's more stress relief mm. as much as mental health. We're under an incredible amount of stress in our society through so many different ways. Work things, home things, life things. We were talking earlier about mass shootings and Black Lives Matter and all this change and upheaval. And it's stressful. It's it's Yes, it's tied to your mental health, but a lot of people can take the word stress a little better than therapy or, you know, those big scary words. You know, it's like we're all under a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. So why, with all of those pressures, why are books important for Um, that? Because they can take you away. They can take you away for that moment. You know, um, maybe Sunday afternoon, I just want to forget the news and I want to forget the pressure and I want to forget what's out there, get my cup of tea, get my book and go to Europe, go to Africa, go go somewhere else um, in my mind, you know, and just walk away from that for a little while. It's just good for your brain. It's good for your brain to, to disconnect from that stress a little bit. I saw Karen in response to your answer, looking at her stack of books that she brought with her. Uh, What what did that trigger or what did that that bring up in your mind? Always bring props, but I I left one at home. Uh, The one that I left at home was Under the Tuscan Sun. And I read that, hi, gosh, years, you know, decades ago now. But the one thing about it was that every time I was 
and it, it's it's different than the movie. It's not all the romance and all of that stuff. It really is about fixing up an old villa in in Tuscany. Uh, but it was so relaxing to be there and to read about the types of food they were trying and to, and, you know, I just remember there was one point on a Sunday afternoon, I've been reading it for so long that I had to get up and leave my house and go to the grocery store and get mozzarella and basil (laughs) and tomatoes and have caprese appetizers right there because I, I just wanted to be in that world so much. And so, you know, it's, it is an escape, but it's also, hopefully for most people, a relatable escape. You, you know, you want to taste those foods. You want to see those things. You, you'd love to have a villa in Italy to fix up. You know, <laughs> I money would. resources to do that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. would. You know, so it, it, it just when she said that, it reminded me of that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a book that, that's yeah. like that for you that just feels like escape? Oh, you know, I, I I don't. I don't have one specific one I go to. Um, I'm going to loan you Under the Tuscan Sun. It sounds like I need to read <laughs> Under the Tuscan Sun for sure. I I read pretty widely, so for me, I just just want to pick up whatever's at hand and, and dive into it. Um, the, the most recent series that I read is Alice Hoffman's Practical Magic. Ooh. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I honestly was just immersed and taken away from everything else. It was, it was I, I could not get enough of them, and I'm ready for her to write more about the Owen sisters. I'm like, Alice, come on, I need more. What are you doing to me right now? Yeah. So they're just spectacular. They're they're full of love and magic and and just a great fantasy series. What Did, about you, Amy? I oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know that I have a take me away, Calgon take me away moment. Um, <laughs> I do listen to the audio books of Harry Potter when I take a bath, though, which is like what a weird thing to choose to listen to, <laughs> but it's so relaxing to me. And it's just like, I don't know. That's like, I started doing that during the pandemic because of all of the stressors. And I was like, mm-hmm. I need a way out. And I was like, I'm going to take this giant bubble bath and I'm going to listen to Harry Potter because they're really good. Oh, they you are know, really the good. The audio books yes. are fantastic. Jim Dale is amazing. 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 Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, I got hooked on, you know, and I would listen to about 45 minutes to an hour, and that was my bath time. And it was like, I will be upstairs. Nobody bother me, you know. And so I think that's kind of, that was kind of my first, like, you know, literal take take me away moment. So. Well, and there, in those kind of books, there's magical worlds you, you go to. You know, they're so visual. Yeah. I remember reading Harry Potter, and, and I instantly could imagine what he looked like. I could imagine all yeah. the people. I could imagine, you know, what happened when some magical spell was cast or whatever. And so the more you get into that, that part of your brain that does, that does imagining and mm-hmm. gets mm-hmm. you off into another world, the more relaxing it is. Well, and, you know, I, I love that this podcast, podcast has gone off in this direction because, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people come into the library and you go, oh, you're having, you're having some issues with, you know, depression or you should read Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but I think right. what's so great uh, to continue with Harry Potter or books about magic and it, as a mystery book proper, you know that by the end of the book, Something's going to happen to Voldemort or something's going to happen where the problem 
of that world is solved. Right. And good point. You can say, okay, I can't solve the problems of the world. I can't, you know, yeah. do anything with the government or the news <laughs> or anything like that. But I know that by the time I turn to this last page, that there's some sort of resolution with, you know, the enticement of reading the next one. But um, I think that's also part of reading something like that. And I also wonder, solution. like, if somebody comes in to maybe they are looking for a specific self-help book or mental health, you know, like you're saying, as a resource. And maybe they're just walking through the library and maybe it's like a way to get them into reading again. Maybe they haven't in a while. Maybe that's, I don't know. So I, I hope that people use that as a way to, you know, that felt really good reading that. Maybe I should branch off and do something else right. now. Maybe I should try another yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a librarian, so I did a little research before I got here. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And this ties right into what we were talking about. Um, research Researchers at the University of Liverpool surveyed 4,164 adults and found that self-identified readers reported being less stressed, less depressed, and with more self-esteem and ability to cope with challenges. Okay, yeah. Yes. Because they see those challenges resolved in their reading, and it's like, oh, they can solve that problem, I can solve mine. I can try that thing, or I can learn about that thing, or I can become involved in that, you know, in different ways through putting themselves in that book. Yeah. Identifying with those characters and relating to their struggles and what they're going through and how their thought process worked in solving that dilemma whatever the plot device was right so i thought that was well, very like apropos to our conversation to, to cook or to like the caprese salad yeah, yes. maybe you want to garden after you read something or yeah. whatever but i remember i know we've talked about this on the podcast and probably season one um when the hunger games came out and archery lessons went through the roof <laughs> sure. right because sure. everybody wanted to be katniss everdeen but i think that's the other thing that you might be Reading along and then going, I mean, obviously we can't go be, you know, wizards. I guess we could try. Um, but maybe that opens up, you know, some other activity or hobby for you, which I think is always beneficial. I'm a hobbyist myself. Um, always have like seven hobbies going on. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that at Amicon, you know, our pop culture convention. Y'all know the friends um, put on Amicon every summer. And we have cosplay books. We have books about how to make those costumes and, and how to do that. And you can be a wizard for a day. Yay! You, you know, you, <laughs> you can cosplay that character that you read about. The kids who come in anime costumes and things they've seen in manga is incredible. Huge part of the convention. They got all of that from our collection or from what they bought, you know. But we're very proud of that collection and it speaks to those kids. And then they get to feel that moment when they put that costume on and, and take on that persona and, and, you know, work through some problems maybe. I don't know. They're having a good time. That's all that matters to me. I think there's something really interesting, though, about cosplay and, and things like that. You know, you think about personas and David Bowie. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that was a persona. Absolutely. Um, I think there's so much that people can conquer fear-wise. You know, I have horrible stage fright. Um and I've thought about, like, maybe I should have a persona and mm -hmm. live through that person because it, this ain't working. Um, <laughs> but, but I think taking maybe the anxiety of stage fright, the um, fear that you might have, and putting that, channeling that into a, a character. And right. I totally see where that could be therapeutic to somebody. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So is it about, because I know in, in the mental health community, and I, I'm sure Brene Brown has a quote about this too, just that <laughs> all anybody really wants is to be seen. Do you think that that's, that's really what's happening when you read a book, a fiction work anyway, that you're, you feel seen by that, or you see yourself in, in that character. Um, how important is that to see uh, yourself in, in another character? Well, we're hearing a lot now about, um, I mean, we're seeing more children's books come out with, you know, uh, an American, an Indian American person or a black person or those as characters and, and seeing how much more important that has been to those communities, communities of color that haven't been represented in books hadn't seen themselves in books, but now they see themselves, you know, in conquering some little thing in this children's book or whatever and feeling like they're not the only ones that somebody else goes through this too that they identify with. So I think think it's very important that uh, you see yourself in books, and I think it's very true because that's just the most recent example. Mm -hmm. Well, right, and that's mental health as well right, um, exactly acknowledging and and having uh characters that represent um marginalized communities feeling I mean, something than other yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 you know the we need diverse books campaign is huge and it's something we really look at in our collections you know are we representing our community well enough could we do better um we seek out those diverse faces and stories in our collection for sure do you have anything to add to that? I agree. I yeah. think it's, yeah. uh, we've had several episodes oh. where we've talked about things like that. And I, um, you know, I think it's one of those things we're always trying to do better. We're always trying to work on it. I know the library is always doing that. You're mm-hmm. always looking at what are we needing as a community? How can we serve the community better? And I'm glad that y'all are looking at that. That's absolutely mm-hmm. something you should be doing. So yeah. that's we, great. We practice what's called in the biz um, patron driven acquisition. PDA. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <Yeah. laughs> so any patron can come in and say, hey, I wish you had more on this subject. I wish you had this book. Again, it has to be vetted. We have to see what are the reviews on the book. We have to see, you know, was it well-researched? Was it written well? We're not going to purchase just anything that comes along. But if you have a subject or if you have a title that you're very interested in, we will certainly give that a fair look and add it to the collection if it's appropriate. PDA. PDA. (laughs) (laughs) I learned something new today. (laughs) My Library Does That? Presented by Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. Did you know that the Amarillo Public Library is a place to get flower and vegetable seeds for your garden? The APL's Seed Library is full of flowers, vegetable, and herb seeds, along with instructions on how to plant and care for them. And the seeds change with the growing seasons. The Seed Library is in partnership with Randall County Master Gardeners and the Canyon Area Public Library. More information can be found at amarillolibrary.org. interesting that we've talked about like escape in, in novels and, and things like that because that's definitely not the direction I thought we would 
go in, um, which we should. Uh, <laughs> but so like, what about like um, for yourselves? Like I, Karen's talked about Under the Tuscan Sun. Have there been any self-help books that you have found that are important or that you would recommend or even more of the clinical side of mental health? Like what books, what books? That's what Check Me Out is about is recommending <laughs> books. So what are some that come to mind? Uh, for you, or even for you, some that you've noticed that people have been picking up more lately? That's an interesting question. Y'all can think about that. Yeah, I'll have to think about that for a minute. Uh, you going to go first, Karen? Sure. Um, I don't, Do I do the shameless plug? Well, yes, we knew we would come to this. <laughs> this is why Karen is here. No. <laughs> She's an avid reader as well as a content producer, Panhandle PBS. We're doing a series called The Little Things. Uh, which focuses on cultivating the little things you can do for your mental health. Um, As such, I've read a lot of mental uh, health-related books Mm -hmm. these days. Actually, none of them are, no, a couple of them are in my stack, but one uh, one of the main ones that I read that was really relaxing, engaging read is called The Nature Fix. Um, it's by a woman named Florence Williams, and we interviewed her, by the way, for the series. So when that happens in, in the fall and September, uh, look for it. It's about how nature is good for your mental health, how connecting with nature is good, how hearing bird song and things like that will help you not just ruminate about something in the past or worry about something in the future, but will help you be in the present, in the now, when you can hear nature sounds and, and smell uh, flowers and, and trees and, um, and all of those things. It, and it's a really good book. She's a, she was an out, is a journalist, has written a lot of outdoor magazine kind of articles, but began studying this subject when she moved from Colorado where she had uh, you know, and nature out her back door and could hike on a trail and all of those things to a busy urban part of Washington, D.C. And she thought she was going crazy. So she started looking into what that nature connection is. She went to Asian countries where they are spending hundreds of millions of dollars putting money into building park-like forests where people can go because, you know, in Japan they work 1,100 hours a day and they work all the time and they're in cramped, busy, packed communities. And so getting them out into nature, they're studying how their heart rate drops, their stress drops, their, you know, some of their other signals and and how just being in nature, the there are properties that, that, are in trees that trees give off. You know, they're actually chemicals that help boost your mood and things like that. She goes on rafting trips. She goes into Utah and hikes there and talks about nature there. It's it's a really engaging read. It's not clinical, although she does bring in clinical things and, and tell you that, but it's it's very definitely accessible and and fascinating. I've really enjoyed that read. Cindy? I like it. I, I just thought of a great little picture book I read recently called Maybe Tomorrow. Hmm. And it's about grief and loss for children, explaining that sadness to them. And it's beautiful. The illustrations are just just beautiful, and the story is perfect. Um, and I would recommend that for any age. It's just very touching and sweet and 
Um, something that we talked about earlier as far as just being a friend. Sometimes you don't know what to say, and that's okay. And, mm-hmm. and this book expresses that in a, in a childlike way for kids to understand. Um, but I would recommend it for everybody because it's just a really great message about it's okay to sit with discomfort. Yeah. It, it, it's okay to not have the answer mm-hmm. for yourself or your friend. You'll work through it. You'll find a way, you know. And yeah. I, I just loved it. It was really great. I found as an adult uh, myself going back looking at things that, you know, picture books I read as a kid. And then it's amazing how, like, sometimes the children's books just get it across so much quicker. They do. Um, while I do see value in the longer or books about mental health, like, it just, it's nice to hear it in just a very simple fashion. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real distilled message. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I need to read that. <laughs> like, I was yeah, sitting so here and I'm great. like, my little eyes are filling up with tears. I'm like... <laughs> It's okay. so great. I, I'll, I'll tell you all a story about that book. Um, my daughter works for the Girl Scouts in Arkansas. And I took it with me when I went to visit one time because it's just so great. And Friday afternoon, their office closes early and everyone was just kind of gathering up their stuff. And, and my daughter said, hey, y'all, we're going to have story time. Come to my office. You, you want to have story time with me? Well, they were like, sure. And so here all these adult women come in and we sit down on the floor of her office and I read that book to them. We were all crying by the time oh. it was over. I was like, oh, no, that's not what I meant to do. I didn't mean to make everybody cry. And they were all like, oh, we're going to go buy that book, and it's the greatest book, and we really needed this, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why? I don't know what's going on. Why? You know? <laughs> well, I found out later one of their coworkers had died six oh. months before. Oh. Oh. But I didn't know that. And I told Bradley, oh, I did a bad thing. And she said, no, Mom, that was perfect. Oh. That's exactly what we needed. Yeah. And and that led to us, this was during the pandemic, right before the pandemic hit, that led to us having a Zoom story time every week with this group. Wow. And it was great. And and it was all picture books. It, Aww, it was all picture books. So cool. Because they're short, they're sweet, they're to the point, and some of them were really funny, and some of them were, you know, just, just but we just had a great time all through the pandemic doing yeah. Story time for grownups oh, with picture well, books. That's a great idea. It that is. is idea. And, I, and I think, like, what a, I love seeing this trend of books placing the agency in the hands of children to understand their emotions and understand, you know, what they might be feeling if grandma, grandpa, someone dies exactly. in, their, in their life or friend. Um, I just, I think that we see more and more of that lately of, of of how important it is for kids to know, you know, what is going on inside of me so that we can take care of ourselves as adults and we can, can, you know, learn to cope and, and learn me- coping mechanisms to, to handle those, um, those difficult situations. So exactly. that's really it's called neat. bibliotherapy, bibliotherapy and yes. a shout out to Amarillo college. Um, in 2004, when I started as a youth librarian, um, I was at the Northwest Branch, which is right by the AC Lab School, and they came over for um, story time every week. And one of the courses required their students to put together a bibliotherapy box. Oh. And so I worked with their students every semester, and they came in with a list of things. I need children's books about divorce, about grief, about step families, about all of these different things, and that 
I hope they still do. I assume they still do because it was a great resource for those teachers in that lab school with three and four-year-olds who are melting down and they don't know why. This was a great way to get those kids talking about what's happening at home and, oh, look, that story matches my what I'm seeing. You know, my grandma, like you said, my grandma died. Well, here's a book about that that yeah. they could read as a classroom and they could share and talk about that. And um, just, just I, I was so impressed with the AC Lab School making that part of their curriculum and part of their classrooms. I think we need that in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Where we just have a little bibliotherapy like... I could go read this about stress or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. What are you yeah. going to say, Karen? I, I just was glad to hear that because what what I hope that means to people who are listening is that they can also go in and ask, I need children's books about divorce or about, you know, the loss of someone and things like that. Think about the things that their children might be going through and know that there's a picture book and a librarian out there to help you find it. Mm-hmm. Right. What are you going to say about your books? I see. Uh, I see you gesturing. I, well, I just want to put in a plug for poetry. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yes. yes, as a a way to deal with you know, or calm yourself down, or deal with a uh, mental illness or grief or those sorts of things, because you can find something you identify with in poetry uh, and in in beautiful words put together, and that doesn't have to be a long time investment. Mm-hmm. For you to find right. a poet that really speaks to you, a, a modern one maybe, not maybe not, you know, go back into the 17th century, which, you know, might actually speak to a, a lot of people, but, but it doesn't have to be scholarly poetry. It, it can be our poet laureates. Any one of them has something that you could look for. Uh, and it's just my book club does that. Every every December, but when when book club is, we're all busy with our lives and things going on. Our December read is not. Uh, we don't read a book for December. We gather and we all read a poem that we found that's valuable to us, and it's a great evening to just share those share that poetry. You you wind up finding something that you can relate to, or it opens your heart to something, or opens your heart to some other type of person and what they're going to, through that you've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's when great. you're reading poetry, do you read it aloud if you're reading it by yourself? I will read it silently if I'm reading it to myself, but I often end up. Uh, Kevin will be cooking and and we'll be doing something on a Saturday night. I often end up reading the poems out loud because I'm going, mm-hmm. oh, you should you should hear this one. You should hear this one. So we've spent many evenings where he's getting dinner together. I'm very lucky, and uh, <laughs> and I'm reading poetry to him. So do you have a poem that you'd like to read now? I didn't. I'll I know see. you're a big Billy Collins fan. And actually, if you want to hear Karen wax on more about poetry, we have another episode. Where we she do. Is, we have a poetry episode. Featured, oh yeah, with Stacey uh, Clopton and Eric, Eric Melchak. Melchak. Yeah. Yep. Great episode. Okay. While we talk about being in the present and how important it is, here's, here's Billy Collins' take on the present, which is the name of the poem. Much has been said about being in the present. It's the place to be, according to the gurus, like the latest club on the downtown scene. But no one, it seems, is able to give you directions. It doesn't seem desirable or even possible to wake up every morning and begin leaping from one second into the next until you fall exhausted back into bed. 
Plus, there'd be no past, with many scenes to savor and regret, and no future, the place you will die, but not before flying around with a jetpack. The trouble with the present is that it's always in a state of vanishing. Take the second it takes to end this sentence with a period, already gone. What about the moment that exists between banging your thumb with a hammer and realizing you're in a whole lot of pain? What about the one that occurs after you hear the punchline, but before you get the joke? Is that where the wise men want us to live, in that intervening tick, the tiny slot that occurs after you've spent hours searching downtown for that new club, and just before you give up and head back home? That was so good. It was. Good one to pick. Yeah. One thing we did not talk about, Mm -hmm. um, and Stacey brought it to our attention, she said, you didn't talk about the benefits of memorizing poetry. So are there benefits to memorizing it? And, and does that mentally do something good for you? I think I'm not a memorizer um, simply because I read so much that I guess my brain doesn't hold it very long. <laughs> um, but what I, what I wind up doing is having a line that sticks with me out of something that always seems to apply in a certain situation. You know, it's kind of like... It's kind of like the band name joke, you know, where you hear a line and, and everybody, oh, that's a band name. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing with a line out of poetry. There's a certain instance, you know, that you remember it because it fits a situation so well. And I think that's what I do with it is is take snippets of it and then bookmark the heck out of the book, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. What about you? Are you a big yeah. poetry reader? Cindy? I'm not a big poetry reader. I like it. And mm-hmm. when I hear someone reading it, it takes me away. But yeah. it's not what I normally reach for. I need to do better about that, I think. Oh, me <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, I, I think I do. Yeah, because I do enjoy it. I don't know why when I'm browsing, that's not where I go, typically. Yeah. Well, it's. A- Amy, I think you hit on something. I think I, I do prefer to read it out loud or to hear it out loud. I think the, you hear the cadence and, yeah. and some yes. of those things uh, m- much more. So, you know, pick a pick a friend and have a poetry hour or something every once poetry in a while. Poetry slam, my house, later today. Yeah. I'm yeah. yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing from both of you, because you talked about children's books and reading it out loud to people, and now you're talking mm-hmm. about poetry, is that it seems like these more digestible, short little stories are a great way to have community and um, a way to relate to each other and to see one another and... And connecting is, yeah. is mm-hmm. part of mental health. It sure is. Yes. Is after, especially after having been isolated for so long. Right. Um, yeah. So. And I do, I'm, I'm with you. I, I enjoy it. It's not something I do. The reason why I asked you if you read it aloud, because I was thinking, I think I might actually like it better if I read it aloud. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was if like, I was I at home and just it wrote, uh, or was reading it to no one, just myself. But I think hearing the cadence of it is kind of what I love. Hmm. Um, and I think there's a musical element to it, which obviously I'm the music gal, right. um, which my poetry that I love comes in the form of songs. I yeah, mean, really. Exactly. Um, but I do think there's importance to hearing it aloud. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's I, very soothing. Yeah. It is soothing. <laughs> and I, and I think I rush through it watching you do that. I'm like, Oh, that's why I don't read more poetry Me too. <laughs> because I rush yeah. through it. If I read it aloud, it would make me slow down and think about that cadence and that rhythm that is so important to poetry, which I do with music all the time. Yeah. All I'm the telling time. you that, that Christmas, 
book club meeting that we have where we do that is in the midst of all the, I got to get the gifts, I got to get the food, I got to get the this and that. Mm-hmm. It's the most calming evening Aww. ever. And mm-hmm. we do it, we've done it every year for more than 20 years now. And, and it just is, it, we all look forward to it so much. So I would suggest anybody who wants to calm down and slow down mm-hmm. and do something for their mental health, read some poetry to each other. Well, and we hear all the time, oh, I don't have time to read. I hear that all the time. How long did that take you to read that? (laughs) You know, (laughs) how quick that was. Literally. And we have short stories as well, which are fantastic. You don't have to read a 400-page novel to be a reader. Right. Well, you were talking about picture books and children's books. Yes. I, during the pandemic, went on a children's book. We had done the episode about children's book, Mm -hmm. and I wrote down a ton of them. And I went to the library and I got all these children's books that I just never read as a kid. And I had such a great time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during the pandemic and especially children's books, they're great at taking you away. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can take children away who have zero, you know, (laughs) patience and, you know, they can't sit still for a second. And I, I had a great time reading children's books. So, yeah, I don't think it has to take all day. You don't have to sit down for an hour. Um, That was a couple of minutes, if that. Right. And, you know, it's I got not, so much out of that just now. It's not war and peace that makes you a reader. It's yeah. reading that makes you a reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not what you're reading. I would never judge anyone by what they're reading because it, mm-hmm. it's all interesting. Yeah. And I often, you know, if I have particularly young adults, but even adults will come in and say, you know, I'm doing this college class and I have to research X subject. I'm like, let's start over here in the youth section and they kind of look at me like youth books really get to the point quickly. Mm -hmm. They distill that information and give you a starting point. Whereas if we start with adult books, they're going to be three and 400 and 600 pages and you're going to shut off and it's going to be, Oh, this research was done with this method. They don't care. Mm -hmm. I need to know the fact. I don't need to know the details of we called and surveyed a hundred people. Yeah. I need to know the results yeah. of the survey. You yeah. know? And, and, and youth well, literature does that really well. And that's a great point to like, eventually they might realize, yeah, I'm really interested in that. And then I do want to read the four to 600 page book because I find it fascinating or I want to know the why. Yeah. Um, or yeah. I want to know yeah. this part about his life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to read the whole thing, but I want to know what happened when he got you know, became a lawyer or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And youth literature is a great way to start with that. Brick and Elm Magazine is Amarillo's lifestyle magazine. Launched by Michelle McCaffrey and me, Jason Boyette, this independent publication celebrates the people, businesses, and heritage of this area. Along with our flagship print magazine, Brick and Elm also publishes the Brickly email newsletter every week, plus Flavorillo, a bi-weekly food and drink newsletter, plus digital content at brickandelm.com. Brick and Elm highlights the lifestyle and culture of the Texas Panhandle. Brick and Elm is available online or at newsstands near you. Well, do you guys have any concluding thoughts on mental health and reading uh, before we... And recommendations. Yes, yeah. 
Karen's got a stack. She's Let's got a go stack. to the stack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love this book. Yeah, yes. in in starting so great. in starting yeah. our research on uh, the little things you can do for your mental health, uh, we started with kind of happiness research, which there can be some toxic positivity. Like I said, self help originally was too positive mm-hmm. to me, um, but then you get into little books that are created. This is the little book of Hugo. 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 Is that how you say that? I think I so. Wonder. Yeah. Yes. I had to Google it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a really good little book that, that talks about things that can make you happy and can give you comfort and can make you feel good. It's not like, oh, you're going to instantly feel better and this is going to solve all your problems and you'll never have a problem again. It And, and in fact, it talks one page or two about the dark side of, you know, being so positive that you're not really in reality Mm -hmm. but it it also just talks about the science behind you know uh, the good hormones that neurotransmitters in your brain and if you can find a place of coziness and connection and and things that you love that you will have those so it's it's a good relative uh like happiness primer yeah. Well, and if you look on online, um, Danish culture, generally, they, they are generally happier. Yeah. Like, they just are. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like a, a window into, you know, the small things that they do, whether it's how they design their living room or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the very small ways that they um, interact What are with some the of the, like, just quickly, do you have any of the things that they recommend? Let's see. Honestly, if you watch any sort of video, and I get, and I've, I've also read this book, it's it just immediately makes you feel that like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. Yes. Yeah, that's how yes. I came out of it too. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they give a list of things that create Hugo, the ten things that will make your home more Hugelic. Hugelig, <laughs> I think. Uh, you know, it, it's a, a a cozy place to sit, a fireplace, candles. Yes. Things made out of wood, so natural surfaces, natural uh, nature itself, books, there we go, mm-hmm. ceramics, um, tactile things, that, you know, your favorite blanket, your yes. uh, a, a comfy, squishy pillow, um, vintage things, things that oh, m- make you feel I love nostalgic. all of this. <laughs> right. Okay, I need this book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, it's just things to think about to make your home more cozy and better. And to make yourself more comfortable. Well, and it reduces stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's scientifically shown. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, this is a total sidebar. Um, it talked about books because I love seeing books in my house. Too. Yeah. Right. So I have little stacks yes. and little, you know, whatever. Um, I experienced a very stressful moment while I was on vacation at my friend's hotel because we stayed at separate hotels. And I walked in and I sat down and I was like, what is that? And it was a stack of books and all of the covers had been removed from them <gasps> for decorating purposes. Oh, God. Oh, no. Y'all, no. that's my thought. And I was like so anxious. And I was like, I can't, like, I need to move those. I can't look at that. And oh. it was like right on the TV stand as decoration. But all of the, all, I guess for looks. There and are- I was like, I don't understand this. Um, but it was very the opposite reaction like the opposite of that yeah. where i was like very unhappy well, <laughs> interesting they just wanted that color oh yeah, yeah. instead of that's the, the color yeah. yeah and yeah 
And the thing is, like, I love the rainbow organizing. I think it's beautiful, but it stresses me out. Because I'm like, how do you find the How book? do you find anything? How do you find the <laughs> I have to remember that Grapes of Wrath is a red cover. <laughs> like, right. completely that's horrible. agree with <laughs> Not that I'm going to go read the Grapes of Wrath anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, like, completely I think. Completely agree with but you. I, right. I do think, you know, and I think to that that book's credit, you know, Really, it's whatever you make that makes you happy. Yeah, you know, that's if right. it is ripping the covers off, I guess do that. But not for me, y'all. I think, like, <laughs> I think for me, it's it's more of like being surrounded by books I have read and want to read, and knowing like that this exists around me. Like it's it's just there. I know that the adventure is there. I know I I can compartmentalize it maybe, but it gave me a, a like very special feeling reading it. So having it around me just feels good. I, I call the right. ones I haven't read, and there are many that I've <laughs> gathered to read, I call that my retirement. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's just what I was going to say. I have this huge bookshelf full of books. Oh, I can't wait until it snows. Me too. <laughs> you know, day, I'm like, like oh, <laughs> when I am stuck in the house, yes. I don't have to worry because all my friends are here waiting for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree with that. Yeah. I'm going to read the title to this book because I said Huga. It's the little book of Huga. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's spelled H-Y-G-G-E, mm-hmm. Danish Secrets to Happy Living. And it's uh, by Mike Viking. Viking. Yeah. Viking? Viking? I don't know. Yeah. It's W-I-K-I-N-G. Yeah. Yes. And it's adorable. It it's is a really cute, cute little cover. Yes. It is. There's a, a great website. Because we were talking about happiness and things that make you happy. It's called um, the Greater Good Science Center. And it's they do all this research on happiness. Aww. And I, I did a course with them. I did a six-week happiness course during the pandemic when things were crazy. And it was great. And one of the things they talked about was reading, obviously, but also journaling. And, you know, three good things that happened today. And I look back at that now because that was not a good time for most of us. Mm-hmm. And I recently looked back at that and went, wow, look at those little things that made my life happy. Yeah. I did the and same thing. That. I did a gratitude journal during the pandemic and yeah. I have not looked back at it, but I know I wrote toilet paper on there several times, but I had it <laughs> and I wasn't out like, you know, having a fight for it anywhere. I was like, right? I'm going to be grateful that I got toilet paper. Today, I can't y'all. wait for someone to like <laughs> randomly find your journals 200 years from yeah. now and be like, what you kind should, of stomach problems yeah, this girl has? Right? Like, what, Why was she so excited about <laughs> toilet, toilet paper? paper. Yeah. You should put, it, put that in a time capsule and bury it in your yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it's really yeah. interesting. What yeah. else did you bring? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Ooh, what we keep. I'm sorry, the, I keep looking at your stuff. Oh, and I really don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. There's something called, this is a book called Awakening Your Ikigai, uh, How the Japanese Wake Up to Joy and Purpose Every Day by Ken Mogi, M-O-G-I. And this little book is another one that kind of takes you to a different place. But it starts out about, you see why I have many notes in here. It, it starts out about how sushi chefs and other people work toward, it's not a perfection, but there are five pillars of it. And it reduces your, uh, ikigai is sometimes expressed as the reason for getting up in the morning. What gives you an ongoing motivation? And uh, you could also say that it gives you the appetite for life that makes you eager to greet each new day. There are five pillars, and there's such things as starting small and flow and creativity, finding purpose in your life, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, accept yourself for who you are. They're really 
again, I'm going to use the word accessible, small chapters that really kind of take you in another into another world while you're learning these things. And, and it's a fun little book. I, I really enjoyed it. What about you, Cindy? Nice. Do you have any nice. other, any, any books you'd like to share? Oh my goodness. Or closing thoughts? Um, I, I'll give you a closing thought about um, representation and reading and seeing yourself in books. Um, I have a, a beautiful, wonderful friend who at 14, 15 was coming in the library and saying to the side, do you have any books about me? And I went, what do you mean? And he said, well, I think I'm gay. Mm. And I went, I do have books like that for you. And I helped him find those books. And now, 15 years later, he's a therapist. And he specializes in working with kids and families who are coming out. I just think, what would have happened if he didn't have the library? Would he have found his space? Would he have pursued that career? Would he be so comfortable with who he is? And it was through seeing himself in books and realizing he wasn't wrong. There was nothing wrong with him. This was normal. This was what lots of other people do. And it all came through being able to come to the library and find what he needed privately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, figuring things out for himself privately until he went to his parents, who are spectacular people, by the way, and awesome. But he needed that. He needed that representation. Mm -hmm. He needed to see himself. And all of us need that. We all need to see ourselves in the world around us and in what we read and in, in how we interact with the world. And so that's my final message is there's a place for you to see yourself and find yourself. That's good. It's really good. Thank you guys so much for coming and sitting with us and talking about all the different branches that you can go into in terms of uh, reading about mental health. Would you please talk about resources, things available at the library, and uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, There's so much available at the library, I don't even know where to begin. Um, there's library staff who's there to help you. I, I really want y'all to realize the staff is there to help you. You are not an interruption. It's amazing how many people come and say, oh, I, I don't want to interrupt you. I can see that you're working. Patrons are our work. Please come up to the desk and say, hey, I need this, or can you point me in this direction, or this is what I'm looking for. That's what we're there for. But yes, beyond that, we have so many things at the library, and they're available to you. Books, DVDs, books on CD. If you're a listener, if you need that audio, please come and ask for that. Um, we have so many programs that are amazing. We have the Makerspace. If you want to come and try your hand at crafting and creating and using our long-arm quilting machine, we have genealogy resources. We have every possible subject at your fingertips. All you have to do is come in and look for it and ask for it and um, participate. Be a part of the library system because we're here for you. And with your library card, you can get ebooks now too on your website. That's correct? right. Ebooks, audiobooks through the web. Um, so come in, get your card, and then you can use the library from home. If you're shy and don't want to come visit with us, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's a rainy day and you want yeah. to check out an ebook, it's there for you. So yeah, come in, ask questions, let us tell you everything and give you a tour of the library. And Karen, could you talk about the little things as a resource? 
The Little Things is a series that uh, we at Panhandle PBS have done in partnership with uh, healthcare professionals across uh, Amarillo and some out in the region. It is uh, about the little things you can do to improve your mental health, things like breathing, things like exercising, things like getting out in nature, as we've talked about. The show will begin um, on Panhandle PBS on September 15th. That's Thursdays at 7. It will run for the next six weeks after that first night. In the meantime, episodes and individual segments will be uploaded to our website. Uh, We'll have a special website just for it. That's the little things, pbs.org. Thank you. You're welcome. Me Out is recorded in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hillary Holsey and me, Amy Hart. Special thanks to Stacy Clopton, Tanner Bass, and Colin Lutz. And thanks to Stevie Brashears for designing our logo and the Mag 7 for providing music. Thank you again to our supporters friends at the Amarillo Public Library, Brick and Elm Magazine, and Humanities Texas. Check us out on Facebook and hit subscribe wherever you're listening.